This is episode 289 of the Beyond the Food Show. In this episode, we share her story segment where we chat with a real woman who has been on the journey of undieting her life. And today it's Kim. And she's going to share her journey to making peace with food, which wasn't about food. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and creator of the Going Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and undiet my life. It is now my mission to help women undiet their life. If you're new to our podcast, be sure to grab our free podcast roadmap at stephaniedodier.com forward slash roadmap. Ready, sisters? Let's do this. Hello, my sisters. I'm so excited to be able to bring you back her story segment. We hadn't done one of those for months now. And I just realized that about a month ago, I'm like, we could have bring some of those students back on the podcast to inspire you because many of you have told us that some of the most inspirational episodes have been the one about real people sharing their journey on dieting their life. So here we go. So Kim is going to come on the podcast today and she's going to share how she came to our program. And I think many of you are going to relate to her. About a year and a half ago, Kim, I've been listening to the podcast for almost six months. And then I said something on the podcast, she'll share with you during the interview, but I said something around the notion of listening to the podcast is good, but that is not how you're going to have transformation in your life. You actually have to do the work. And so she thought, you know, I want to stop obsessing about food. And this girl, Stephanie, keeps talking about intuitive eating. And it sounds a lot healthier way of, quote, controlling food. So let me go in her program and see what this is about. She was at the beginning of her journey and she could not comprehend that there was a possibility where her wouldn't need to control food at some point in her life. And for many of us, when we start this journey after decades of dieting, it has become our truth that this is just the way things are going to be. Like they're always going to need to be some form of control about food. It becomes a truth. So, even considering that we will not have to control food is not even a reality for us. And that's where Kim was when she joined our program. She thought intuitive eating sounded a healthier way of controlling food. But she quickly realized that that wasn't the goal. The goal of intuitive eating was not to control food. And that's how the podcast title came about. Like, Making peace with food was not about the food. And you'll hear Kim talk about, she used the term tutelage. From her background, her career, and her profession, that's the term she refers coaching to. So um, she'll share the moment where it clicked for her was when we talked about 
respect, right? I So part of our program um, in Undiet Your Life, we have live coaching call where you can apply. We send you an email. You apply to come spend 15 to 20 minutes in Zoom with me where you get access to me and I coach you live. And that is what she did. She applied for coaching with me. She came on the Zoom call and then I coached her on respect, right? She wanted respect from the world around her, but she wasn't respecting herself. And part of respecting herself was to stop starving herself and overworking out, right? She was still in those patterns. So it was a real turnaround point for her. And I just want to say this, that you coming up to the to our program, it's irrelevant. Being able to create transformation in your life will require you to be able to see outside of your own reality, right? I talked about that a bit earlier, and that's coaching, right? Coaching, at least the coaching we do and the coaching I teach to my professional, is about mirroring, like taking the situation you're presenting to us, the struggle, in her case, desiring respect from people around her, and showing you what your brain is not allowing you to see, the reality in your life, where she wasn't even respecting herself, yet she was expecting the world around her to respect her, right? That's the power of coaching, is this ability to stop the bullshit from your brain, right? Literally, your brain is lying to you. And coaching is about putting that bullshit that your brain is presenting you out of the way so you can see what you need to see to move forward. So that's the power of a coaching program. And that's what we offer in Undiet Your Life. We do it many ways. We do it life coaching with me. Obviously, there's a limited amount of people I can coach live. But we try to cycle through all the people. We also have office hour with some of our coaches in our program where you can come every week and get coached by one of our coach. We also have Coach Corner where you can submit. You're too shy to come on camera. That's okay. We got you back. You can submit an email with your struggle, your coaching request, and one of us will get back to you Monday to Friday and writing to our best attempt, coach you in writing uh, to help you move through the situation or see the thing you don't want to see. And once you see it, then you'll be able to take action and move past it. That's coaching. That's the power of coaching. And that's why our course not only includes the intellectual knowledge, which is absolutely required to dismantle diet culture and patriarchy and body image stuff and food stuff, you do require the intellectual knowledge, but you need to do the work. And that's why I'm going to wrap this up to go to the interview. You actually need to do the work. And the work is through coaching, is through your mindset, your thoughts, your belief system. That's what I call doing the work. And the way to facilitate doing the work is through coaching. So with that being said, I'm going to stop talking And I'm going to roll into the interview with Kim and I'll see you 
on the next podcast. And I hope Kim inspire you. And hopefully some of you will get inspired and you will want to come and work with us. And perhaps we will meet on one of those live coaching call and I can help you fast track your journey in undieting your life. Welcome to the show, Kim. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you, Stephanie. And thank you for inviting me to speak today. I, I'm so excited to share my journey with you and, and everyone else. I am stoked to have you share your story specifically for the growth that I have seen in you, but also for these women that are listening to the podcast that are where you were, women that are professional career-driven, who have known success in many facets of their life, but they're stuck with food and body and health in general. And, you know, where you were when we met and thinking that there's no solution out there. So I think this episode is really going to help this group of women. So about a year and a half ago, I think we met, right? Something like that. With COVID, you just don't know your days. It's like exactly. everything has been condensed. Was it 2019? And and then there's COVID year. So. Exactly. There's this phase of our life, right? This block of time. Yes. So if you go back in that space of time and you could describe how your life was and what you were struggling with back in those days and how you got attracted to come work with us, I think that would be a great start for everyone listening. Yeah, gladly would share. I mean, actually, before I even decided to sign up for a workshop, I was listening to the podcast for at least six or seven months prior to that. And I remember one podcast, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you're like, yeah, you can keep listening to the podcast, but you got to do the work too. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I'm listening to all this podcast. I am getting all this knowledge and insight. But yeah, I'm still sitting in the same seat, just listening. I'm not actually taking any form of action. And so I decided to sign up for one of the workshops. And then that was just the beginning to this wonderful relationship and new growth in, in myself. And I would just say before, you know, even coming to the podcast, which I was searching for, you know, some inspiration around body image and, you know, understanding this diet mindset had just invaded my brain to the point that at that time I began to see a weight gain. And, you know, initially I was like, well, I need to go back to what I know, which was work, you know, do two days in the gym, restrictive eating, the things that helped me lose up to a hundred pounds initially, then additional 50 pounds. And, you know, at my lowest weight, and I started to see my weight start to reclimb again. And so I was like, well, let me try this intuitive eating. And thinking intuitive eating was another form of a diet, which I just want to say very to the point, it is not a diet. I just want to make that very clear. But in my mind, I was just like, well, this is a more wellness approach of dieting. And that's not the case. And so it was through your tutelage that really explained to me, like, really, there's a lot more in depth that I need to learn about myself to get me to where I'm at. And it's just not about what's on a scale. And I think so for so many, many years, you know, I valued myself based on what others saw me as. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I really felt a form of disappointment. Like I, I disappointed people by gaining weight. 
And a lot of the weight gain really had to do with just the stresses I was dealing with and not really knowing how to manage that in a way that was healthy. But also my body just didn't like where it was at. Like, honestly, I was very, you know, not well all the time. I had GERD. I was vomiting all the time because there were certain foods I couldn't eat because all I did was work out and like eat nothing. Mm. When I ate food that had carbs in it, my body wasn't happy. So I had to get to a point of acceptance that in order to have respect that I was expecting others to have of me, Mm. I needed to respect myself and I need to respect my body. And so that is when I really realized I needed to do more than just listen and really begin taking the active steps to repair the relationship with myself in order to repair relationship with my body. Wow, that's a lot. So you were dieting for many years prior to us working together, right? Yes, I was in, I mean, I happened to be a member of a gym that was a small gym, but very supportive gym. And they had a great atmosphere, but a lot of the gym philosophy was around dieting. It was, Mm. you know, challenges to where you, you know, lose so many dress sizes in a few weeks. It was, you know, the best body and what does the best body look like? It was about having that figure, but then never really dealing with the underlying issues. So all you're doing for that duration of time is just one challenge after another. And I had, at some point I had said to myself, well, if the only way I can lose weight is doing challenges, then am I really losing weight the right way? (laughs) And so then I eventually, I left that gym and kind of was in a no man's land until I figured out what is it I was looking for. And what I was looking for is peace, Mm. peace with myself. So you mentioned the word intuitive eating. That's what attracted you to work with us, right? Correct. You're talking about like it was beyond the food, right? It was more than the food. It was a relationship with myself. But to the person, to the woman listening right now who's like, oh, that's that's not me. If I could just solve food and body, then the rest would go. When did it click for you that it was like undieting your life more than just the food and the body image? I would say it was when you kind of had a come to Jesus conversation with me. Mm. And in that, I think I was sitting in a lot of denial for a very long time that I was causing my own pain because I was not understanding what respect meant. That was a big piece, eh? Yeah, I think that was a huge turning point of growth. And I think it happened at the right time. But I was expecting that I should be respected in the space that I sit in in my work environment, in the space I sit in in my personal life, that others should respect me because why? I'm a nice person. I do well. I treat people in a number of respect. But what you instilled in me that day was, but do you respect yourself? Because if you respect yourself, you will respect boundaries that you set up for yourself. And if you create those boundaries and someone steps over it, you would say no. And I think for so many years, I have thought I respected myself, but my actions shown to be the opposite. And I would let other people's thoughts dictate what I was supposed to feel. So if you say to me, Stephanie, 
Kimberly, girl, you you got a little thick around the stomach area. You, you know, you gained a little weight. I would internalize that and say, oh my God, oh my God, I gained some weight. And then you won't look in the mirror. I mean, there's a point where I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. If I did, it was only from the head up. I would wear the, the, the clothes that I knew were too small for me. I was still trying to fit in them and was trying to psych myself out. Well, I'll just lose the weight to get back in them soon. And really what you said was you have to respect yourself to know that those clothes don't fit and find clothes that are comfortable to be able to fit in. And if it's a size, a size larger, oh, well, it's a size larger. It's just clothes. It's not going to dictate your, you know, life, you know, successes. And I had to realize like, oh my God, I'm not a failure for gaining weight and having to go up in size. And, you know, there was a plus size store that I used to frequent when I was heavier that I was just like, I hadn't been in over five or six years that I had to walk in. And accept that it's okay. It's not about you. It's not about failure. And so in doing that really turned a table for me because I was able to accept myself. And in doing that, I wasn't walking around angry or resentful with me. It shows in other ways, it manifests itself in other ways that it can be at other people. And they're like, what did I do? So that was something I learned through this. And it took a lot of time and a lot of thought work and accepting that let go. Mm. And I have to tell you about the clothes. Here's the crazy thing about it. So my mom said to me, okay, Kimberly, you're going to let go of the clothes. And I was like, yeah, put it back. And so one day I come to my parents' house and I was like, those pants look familiar. Mom literally have taken all of my old pants. They're very cute. And she's just stylish. And I said the other day, I was like, mom, those pants look so much better on you than they did on me. She's like, I know. She's like, when are you going to bring some more clothes over? <laughs> so, you know, to be that was my mom, considering like there was a lot there too. It made me realize that one, the person who I've been working to try to convince, like, I got this. You know, she finally hurt me. And then it was just funny that, you know, she's wearing my clothes and they look gorgeous on her. And, you know, but it's not judgment. It's not about me, you know, being a failure or me not being a good daughter because I can't fit a size 12. Hmm. Do you mind talking about your relationship to your mom and how much pain the thought about the relationship where your mom were causing you, because yeah. I know there's a lot of women that have this. I've coached so many women that are exactly where you were and now in a completely different space with your mom. I mean, in a year and a half, I, I will have to say I had a come to Jesus conversation with my mom and it was necessary, but I had to do the work on myself. And my mom is like the most generous, kindest person you ever meet. So it's not that I came from a bad, broken relationship. No, I came from a probably a smothering at, at times. 
But really cared for me has always been my number one supporter. But when it came around my body, she just was like, why are you so big? Like, why are you plus size, I guess, you know, because in her mind, I think it was a reflection on her more than it was on me. And so over the years, it has always been like my weight acceptance never has been there because it was always measured on what her idea of ideal weight should look like. And so at some point doing this work and going back to that building of respect, I had to set boundaries and pretty much had to say, your words hurt me and you are putting judgment on my body. And I had to do it repeatedly. It wasn't like I did it one time and that's it. Like I was having these conversations all the time, but eventually it got to a point where she started hearing me. And I think it was just me being consistent on understanding that boundary. You're not going to talk about my looks because I'm not ready for that yet. I don't want you to comment on my clothes. I don't want to talk about it yet because that's not where I'm at with myself. And as soon as I was able to be more comfortable with my body and look at myself and say, I accept you, it allowed me to make it easier to listen to others' words and realize that those are their words and those are their thoughts and those are their feelings. They do not have anything to do with me. And I need to sit in the space where I want to be in. And that space is comfort. So it's taken time. We've gotten to this point. There's still moments where she has her moments, but I acknowledge it and I move on or I don't acknowledge it and I move on because at the end of the day, those are not my thoughts. But it was hard to tell your person who's been your number one supporter that you hurt me and they take it as a combination on them of their parenting skills. You're like, it has nothing to do with you being a parent. It's that I am a grown woman and I should not have to get your acceptance to be okay with myself. It's hard, but I'm sure that this work of seeing your mom's words, has her words been applicable to many other areas of your life? Is that correct? Yeah. Because, yeah, we may have challenges with our clothes, one in our life, commenting on our body. But when we can learn how to handle that, it applies to work. It applies to intimate relationship with your partner. It applies to like mm-hmm. so many things place where we are in pain because of other people's words. Other people's words hurt if you allow them. You know, what they used to say, sticks and stones may, you know, break your bones, but words will never hurt me. I think we say that, but that's not the truth. We are emotional beings and we are trained to react to others. And what this work has really taught me is how not to react to others but to react to myself and only I can control my own thoughts and my own emotions and my own actions. And sometimes you don't control it. Sometimes you're just in the moment, but then you're able to go back and say, well, how could I have done that differently? What do I need to work on? Why are you responding that way? And you might get some more deeper level, but to get back to the part about why I came to this work, you know, the eating was a big part of it. And not knowing how to eat. You know, people talk about having a relationship with food. I'm a food addict. I'm a this addict. I'm a that. 
that's bad food. This is good food. This is a cheat day. And what I come to find out is food is food. Food has no judge. There's nothing on a food label that says bad food, good food. No. And, and so I had to build a relationship with food in a way that had to be neutral. I don't have a body positivity mantra or anything like that. I just see myself. That's what it is today. And that's the same way I had to do with food is like, I don't put value on food. And what I recognize when I stop putting value on certain foods, let's say a good example is cookies, right? Cookies are bad, right? They're not supposed to be good. And when I stop that and just like, I can eat cookies, I realize that I don't eat as many cookies as I used to. One, because I, I can have cookies anytime. There's no like day on, day off. But also like the reason why I was eating those cookies were because of something else that had to do with the cookie and having to do this work made me focus on that work. So then cookies was not a substitute for dealing with emotions that I was dealing with. Right. And so the cookie became just a cookie again. And I can tell you how many times I've thrown out cookies because they've been sitting on my counter because I'll eat one. I enjoy it. And I was like, I'll come back for another, never do. And then the next time I buy into a cookie, it's stale. I'm like, oh, God, thumbs out. I don't, I can have cake in my refrigerator. I can have all types of things that people might label and not think anything of it. It's just food. How much of our life's problem do we attempt to solve with food? It's crazy when we do this work of liberating ourselves, all the things we avoid in our life that goes into food and we think food is a problem. And that's going to bring me to my next kind of question. The next segment I want to explore with you is that, yeah, we teach you intuitive eating, right? We teach you body neutrality, but we also go into the mindset work. You called it thought work, right? Of looking at situation in our life and thinking about them differently. If you look at your career, because you're a professional woman, right? Your career is really important to you. How would you see the connection between your desire and your career and your ambition and your career and your relationship to food and body? And what did you learn from healing that in yeah. parallel to your career? Right. Well, I work in a very high demanding role. I work in government and, you know, there's a lot of expectations. You have community pushing and pulling. You have internal pushing and pulling. And, you know, where I sit, I have to balance all of that. And no one ever, there's no like school, well, there's schools to go to to get a degree, but there's no school to teach you how to balance all of these types of these push and pulls of, of the world, especially coming out of, 2020 and into 2021 with the social injustices that yes. we've always known existed now percolating to the top and voices that were usually never heard are being heard either by the force of being seen or in other ways and then how to navigate that and do the good work and that's just a lot of pressure it's a lot and so you start looking at other ways to manage that. And food was a very much central part of me managing. And I didn't feel good. I did not feel like 
I felt sluggish. I didn't feel like I was alert. I did not come into the spaces I was in in a way that I felt that my presence didn't show any form of leadership or authority. And so all that to say, you know, I had to do the mindset work because it was going to make me a better administrator. It was going to make me a better person. It's going to make me a better daughter, you know, a better girlfriend, a better everything, a friend, you know, it's going to make you better because you are able to really dig a little bit deeper and see those connected dots and be able to work on that and not, you know, just trying to throw everything at the, at the wall and hopefully something sticks. It's interesting how much more power we get, even in situations where we think we're not in control, because that's what food and controlling our body does, right? At work, we're not in a situation of control. And that's what our role is most often is managing the chaos, right? That's what your role is, is managing chaos. That's why we are administrator, right? Yeah. When we are not comfortable with chaos, then we seek control in other part of our life to feel in control. And then comes our body and therefore food and then for exercise. And so we feel we have a little bit of control when the other part of our life is complete chaos, right? That is not true. Yeah, we managed to avoid it. Where now, do you feel you're a little bit more comfortable in the chaos of this administrative role you have? I feel I'm a little bit more comfortable without having to be always in control. Yeah. And I think that is the same with all aspects of dealing with ourselves. My mantra is there's only so much I can control. Yep. And and then I have to just acknowledge and step away. Doesn't mean there's no feelings behind that. But it's also just saying I recognize that that's the problem. We've always had this the control has been why we're in this situation to begin with. This is the reason why the whole idea around dieting, you know, has been able to be so prominent in our lives. It's control. Mm -hmm. It's another form of, to me, white supremacy, (laughs) you know? And so it's like me saying I can't control something and being okay with that is a level of respect again. So people listening to your voice, I just want to, and because we'll go into that last question, but for people listening, you're a woman of color, right? So you've referred a couple of times to social justice issue arising and white supremacy. How is this work of undieting your life and thought work and food and body image has helped or influence your relationship to your culture or your identity? or navigating those issues at work? I would say that I am, I am very fortunate and privileged to have had a life where I had access to a lot of things that I know as a Black woman, and especially in, in communities that do not have the resources, I had. You know, I I had the ability to be educated. I had the ability to have fresh fruit in my fruit in my home. I had the privilege of being able to walk in the world and know that I am who I know who I am. But I also realized that that's not a privilege given to all. 
And that because of that realization, the work has to continue. And that work, you know, only is going to be able to continue in a way that I'm supporting those who have no voice. I got to take care of myself. I have to take care of myself. And so, you know, I acknowledge my privilege. I'm privileged to sit here and speak to you today because I was able to afford to participate in your program. And there's many people who aren't, but that doesn't mean they can't do the work. That doesn't mean they can't see their selves and their self-worth. As women, we are never allowed to see ourselves and our self-worth first. We put everyone else before us. And hopefully my voice gives that power and empowerment to those individuals. And they get to see themselves and say, I'm worthy to do this work for me. And that's the only way you heal. I mean, it's really about healing. It's not about diet. It's not about body. It's not about clothes. It's not about job. It's not about financial status. It's about self. You came Mm -hmm. in this world, but naked. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. But I like when you say, in order for you to give back to your community, you need to take care of yourself first. And it comes back like it brings us full circle to this notion of respect, right? I need to respect myself instead of expecting it from others to respect me. I agree. And this is not even something that I can say is it, it touches on all women, regardless mm-hmm. of one's racial you know, background, because I have friends who are dealing with a lot of the same stuff who are not of color, but, you know, it's about respect and this patronage system that we, we all have lived in. And this is what we know does not really respect women. Well, as soon as you are different and it goes to every facet of oppression, right? As soon as you don't feel the the model of the white old men, right? This traditional person that's upheld by patriarchy. As soon as you fall outside of that, then it's going to be more difficult that you are a woman, a woman of color, that you are disabled. It's harder for you. But to me, we can fall in victimhood for that. And what I really admire with you is that instead of, sitting and being a victim, you actually rolled up your sleeve and actually looked at it from how can I claim my power back from these systems of oppression? Oh, yeah. Right, with responsibility comes power and with power comes responsibility, I think that's what you were saying. But it's harder the the more differences you have, then it's harder. And even more important at that point to manage your mind, because our power against the system of oppression is in our mind. Man, is it. I mean, that's a a dangerous place to be, if not trained. And and it's just, again, I, I came to this because I was looking to learn more about intuitive eating and didn't realize what I really was looking for. And so... This was just a part of this journey. And I still know there's ways to go. I'm not at all saying I've 
gotten it. I, I've gotten the education. I'm ready to go. I've done the work. No, I'm saying that I've just taken that first step. It's application, right? Now it's applying it to all the different circumstance that comes down your way. And that's yeah. for the rest of our life, right? That is for the rest of our life. However, I appreciate, you know, the honesty that you bring to this work and, you know, what attracted me to the podcast and to this mindset changing philosophy was really your own vulnerability and, Mm. you know, telling your story and being able to sit in that truth and be comfortable with saying, yes, I am in a larger body. And yes, I'm talking about body neutrality. And yes, I have the voice to say it and you can think whatever you want, but that's your mindset. But I know where I sit and I thank you because I think seeing you and your comfortableness about this work made it easier for me to accept because I think sometimes Mm. I'm so used to seeing someone who's talking around this, who is like, no offense to them in a smaller body, but don't understand the tr- the struggles that we have as larger size women and having that acceptance. It doesn't come e- easily. So I appreciate when you said it's not about body positivity. It's about body neutrality. I think that is so important because it's never going to be a day where I'm going to be like, I look awesome every day. It's just not. There's certain days I look at myself. I'm like, okay. It is what it is. Just accept it. And there are certain days I'm like, I look great. And there's certain days I look like, you know, I don't care. So I wouldn't have thought that that was okay if not for, you know, your, your. Because we're not bodies. Although we are taught from very young age as women that we are bodies and that our value into this world, just like you said, right? Your story, your value into this world is the size of your body. If we continue to approach intuitive eating and body image from that perspective and seeking to love our body, guess what we're doing? We're replicating patriarchy by saying, no, no, I got to love my body. F this, like we're not our body and I don't need to love my body because my body is just a vehicle for me to do life and impact others. Just like you're impacting communities through your work and as an administrator, I'm impacting women and inspiring people like you to come and do this work so you can go back and impact your people. So if you had parting words for the women that are listening to this, that may be where you were, like, you know, when you started listening to the podcast six or seven months, but you're not taking action, like you're just listening and getting all this information, what would you say to this woman? Yeah. I totally understand the fear and taking action. And I also recognize the joy when the action is taken and the relief. Doing the work is hard. And I'm not going to say that I came out of a lot of these sessions cited. <laughs> but I also know over time, it's like a chip. You, you keep putting in that chip. And eventually when you do so, you start chipping away at what is really the facade that we all walk around with. And when you are able to do the work and take the action and start chipping away at that facade, you're going to see the beautiful person that you are, regardless at the body 
It's the beautiful person that's inside. It's the active person that may not can run a marathon, but walking down the street and, you know, doing two blocks is like your own personal marathon. Look at the joys of those little things and let that be your action. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be bold. It just has to be movement. Mm, That was beautiful. Thank you very much for your time, Kim, in sharing your story with the people listening. And I'm looking forward to continue to see your growth. Thank you, Stephanie. Beyond ready to shed diet culture from your life and become the expert at your own body? Awesome. Then you need to join on Diet Your Life program. Go to stephaniedozier.com forward slash join and join us now. Undiet Your Life is the first program of its kind with the unique combination of mindset, life coaching with intuitive eating and body image. Find your freedom, reclaim your power and take control of your time so you can refocus on what really matter to you. Join Undiet Your Life at stephaniedoze.com forward slash join and I'll see you on the other side.